Welcome to our group, The Encouragers, on the Clubhouse app. If you know us, you know we're all about encouraging you. After 2020, who doesn't need a little encouragement? I don't hear anybody. So listen, this special event is called How TV Has Been and Is Changing Forever, featuring fresh national research directly from Futuri and Smith Geiger. If you want to know how consumers see television right now, here it is. Before we get started, today's live event will be a podcast called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and uh, also the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Yes, we do think this is important enough to be shared on both of our podcasts. These podcasts will become available at the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating audio footprint and distributing them. My name is Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We are about to roll into 2022, hard to believe. And of course, we help media companies and other companies with strategic direction, separating their products successfully from competitors, helping understand consumers, and of course, getting attention in the environment where you're judged. I call that the environment where you get your money. Consumer behavior is changing. Everybody knows this. You can see examples of this in so many different ways. If you know somebody who's looking for fresh answers in this innovation center or innovation century, I should say, in these areas of business, we'd love to help reach out anytime so that we can uh, have that free consultation. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. One last thing, connect with those on the stage tonight. Look around the room and connect with those folks too. We do encourage networking and want to encourage you to do that on our live events. I want to introduce the presenter and my co-host for today's live event, somebody that I'm always eager to talk to because she knows so much and is so connected Erin Callahan, who, who, by the way, is with Futuri. She's the Director of Enterprise Partnerships at Futuri Media. Erin, welcome back to The Encouragers. How are you? I am great, Lloyd, and just so pleased to be with you here again tonight. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You know, look, uh, as you know, Rainmaker Pathway is all about consulting clients, giving them an outside objective viewpoint and advice, helping them with strategy and consumer behavior. Can you talk about Futuri for a moment and, and what you do specifically related specifically to television? Absolutely. You know, we started in the radio space, but we discovered that a number of our engagement tools really had practical application for television. So Daniel, our CEO, and the team have really been refining the algorithms and the artificial intelligence over the last decade or so for Topic Pulse. That's a content curation tool that really takes into account the idea that the average lifespan of a social story is only four to six hours, which makes it virtually impossible for mere mortals to keep up with that volume of content, unless, of course, you actually go virtual. So we've expanded Topic Pulse to support content creation for local television broadcasters. We've also seen local television experimenting with podcasting. So Post supports those efforts for both time-shifted and original content. And then developmental business is a challenge for any industry, but I think sometimes it's especially challenging for television sales professionals. So Topline supports the, the prospecting side of developmental business for TV's sales efforts. 
this is interesting it's two pillars of our business and what's critical in our business now is people turn their attention to local 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 and of course revenue 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 aaron let's talk about this research when it was done how many participants what kind of research what uh, basic areas did you probe and for what purposes can you give us some numbers so that we kind of you know we're going to frame the issue and frame the research itself Absolutely. So let's start with the for what purposes part. Um, one of the things that I just really love about working at Futuri is the company's dedication to research. We do research projects with um, universities, with Edison, with Nielsen, with a number of institutions. And we recently partnered with Smith Geiger because they're very well known in the television space. They're quite adept at focus groups and really drawing panelists out to get beyond just the stock answer. And they do a very nice job with research. So July and early August is when we conducted the study. We wanted to have a really current understanding of how the pandemic was impacting consumer behavior, particularly as it related to media. Uh, with a name like Futuri, you've always got to be looking into the future. And Daniel and the company had anticipated a lot of consumer behavior changes, but the pandemic really fast forwarded it in a very major way over these last 18 months. So the study really had three prongs to it. We conducted a survey among over 2,000 respondents nationwide. We also hosted focus groups with dozens of uh, both active and disenfranchised radio and television users. And then we also surveyed almost 200 executives in television, radio, and digital publishing to get a sense of what they saw by way of current challenges and where they felt the industry was headed. Boy, I like that. And listen, I, I think we just put on the table that the number one thing is that we all know that audience expectations have changed and they are moving. They're not stationary. And there are a lot of ways that our audiences have expectations of audio, of video, of content in general uh, and connection to entities or personalities, however you want to put it. This became much more significant with the arrival of the pandemic, which none of us saw coming, and it won't leave, by the way. Uh, we recently had Matt Goldberg, who's the Vice President of Content Strategy for NBCU on TV stations in Los Angeles, California, on with us on the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. And that, by the way, that's available in our archive. Uh, Matt was so nice to share with us uh, his perspective, he talked a lot about devices, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and other external social media platforms, and just trying to keep up with consumer demand. One of the things we talked about was keeping up with how people actually watch television and what television is to them. Aaron, what does TV to viewers and consumers, what, what does it mean to them today? Well, I think for all of the reasons that you just stated, television really is no longer exclusively a broadcast term. And in fact, you're going to hear that directly from the response when the interviewer asked them what watching television meant to them. What does watching TV mean to you? Anyone can shout it out. What does it mean to you? What are you doing when you're watching TV? What are you watching? To me, it means Netflix, okay. streaming, uh, YouTube, 
Once in a while, maybe uh, antenna. <laughs> I don't have cable. Ah, okay. All right. Okay. So Erhan says for him, Netflix, YouTube, and then just whatever he's getting from his local antenna. Um, how about the rest of you? Do you guys agree with that? I definitely like Peacock, YouTube, uh, very heavy. I recently got rid of Dish. So mm. it used to be Dish was the uh, go-to, but just um, talking a month or two ago, um, finally let that go. So. So there are a lot of different outlets that people have, and we had just a gazillion responses from the panelists, but um, nobody just intuitively said watching television means sitting down with NBC, ABC, CBS. Oh, yeah. And look, Aaron, what, what are the different consumers gravitating toward in the social sphere? Because it's not just these apps. How is that broken down? So from the survey, our respondents really indicated that social streamed television and live television are all growing year over year. But we also found that 75% of audiences overall are still starting their day on video content, specifically with Facebook. Now, we also know that younger audiences gravitate to other outlets like Snapchat and TikTok throughout the week. But Facebook is still where predominantly people are starting their day and particularly with video content. Boy, I, I tell you, this is the most startling thing because I see this with both clients in uh, radio and television where they're reluctant to get in it because they want it to be perfect or they're worried about how they might look or how they might sound. And, and it's really fascinating because these consumers are not concerned about it. They're on it. Uh, l l let's do the takeaways from this section because you talked about some interesting things. So I think one of our biggest takeaways is use Facebook during a morning newscast to highlight some of the featured stories that you're either just about to release or that you have just released, remind people to tune in for those important features. We know folks are starting the day on Facebook why not harness that audience to direct them to your local telecasts? And then appreciating that TikTok and similar platforms like that are attracting younger audiences, creating just quick little branding messages and videos to establish a presence with that younger audience is another best practice for harnessing the social media platforms. Absolutely. And listen, uh, Here's something interesting. How much are people consuming different things on TV? And I especially because, you know, we talked to our guy in Los Angeles and he was talking about this local news. Yeah. So because and you're going to hear this from the panelists, there are so many ways that people can get news and get it immediately. That really does alter the way people are engaging with their local news television stations. Amber, how come you don't watch local TV news every day? Because I am someone who's on my phone a lot. And so I get updates on social media throughout the day as stories are happening or breaking. I don't need to wait till the evening to like learn about it. Erhan, same question to you. Why don't you watch local TV news every day? I get my news through uh, internet, uh, through email lists, and I can read them right away on the phone or on my computer. Okay, I'm going to come back to those email lists in a second. I want to ask about that. Uh, Melanie, how about you? Why don't you watch local TV news every day? Same thing. Everything pops on my phone. I literally am sitting here and my phone is next to me and I see news break comes up. So it's just easier. 
I mean, Lloyd, think about back in the day when the newspaper was old news by the time it hit your doorstep. Um, yes. We're in a situation now where TV is old news, maybe three minutes after a story broke, because I can get it on so many of these on-demand platforms. Or maybe three minutes before you do it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's really kind of interesting. And, and this problem has been going on with television for a long time. It's not new, but it's it's kind of germinated to where it's in the water with everybody. And these smartphone devices are just rapid fire on demand uh, uh, devices for us. Where are all the places people are going to get their news? You talked about social media. I'm like scratching my head going, do they trust social media? Uh, where are people going for all their news? Well, we'll get into trust and some panelists uh, right. in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, it's interesting when we asked where people go for news, there were over 30 results. And that was a stark increase over, say, five years ago. Now, Google topped the list at 47 percent. Local television was right behind it at 42 percent, which is good. But this still just amazes me. For the first time since Smith Geiger has been doing these surveys, late night talk shows appeared as a source for news. And now on the one hand, we can mark this as the moment that everything went off the rails, um, but it's not because Stephen Colbert has all of the answers. It's because these shows do an expert job of repackaging their content for YouTube. Yes. It makes it very easy for audiences to discover them out in the YouTube space. I was going to say that because I see so much of that content. And let's be fair. These guys are really good at packaging that content. And one of the things that you guys at Futuri say, I'm trying to get it right, uh, snackable you say it for me. What is it? Well, snackable. it? Snackable, shareable content. Yes, they're doing that with their late night content. And because of the, I guess, the uh, rapid availability of them, and because, let's be honest, uh, they're doing fun, people are attracted to that. Okay, so that's it for me. At least, at least for me, it is. It's some eye-opening information Let's talk takeaways from this. Yeah, so what this screams to us at Futuri is that you've got to have an omnichannel presence to compete with all of these different delivery platforms. When you're looking at your media brand and you're prioritizing what content to place where, you've got to be thinking about on-demand video, podcasts, whether that's audio or, um, or original rather or time-shifted. Broadcast in its traditional sense, smart speakers, OTT, blogs, websites, social, mobile apps. Is it subscription-based or is it free? There are so many considerations, and I know it can feel overwhelming, but really strategizing an omni-channel presence to be able to capture the attention of these viewers and these audiences as they migrate to so many different platforms. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I, I look, I've waited to talk about this one since we talked about the research around just the radio business, okay? I consider these next two things maybe the most critical elements of brand today and certainly tomorrow. What about control and what about trust? Yeah, and we heard the control piece with the radio panelists as well. But I think it really speaks to the idea, especially in the midst of the pandemic, 
People figured out how to get what they want when they want it on their terms. And so just as we heard elements of control in radio, you're going to hear it loud and clear here from the panelists as well. Guys, any other words when you're watching your local TV news? Restricted. Restricted. Erhan, why? Uh, because I'm not able to control what I'm watching, unlike mm -hmm. a web page where I can just jump over and read whatever I want. Mm -hmm. They have a specific order that I have to go through in the news. Mm -hmm. You can't control any of the info, so you're naturally zooming in and zooming out when you hear things that actually you care about or want to know. Mm. And you can't control what's going on next. What is it that your go-to news sources give you or provide for you or the format that is better than local TV news for you guys? Control. Um, I see them all, just the titles in an email. I can quickly scan and just click on whatever I want. I would say niche information, right? Like mm. most of my information I can get elsewhere, but if you really are looking for a local story or something that's not going to be picked up at a large national scale, that's typically why I would go to like a local news outlet versus a more readily available one or a controllable one. So you hear control just over and over again there. I do. I hear control and I also hear them giving tips about what kind of things would draw them to something local. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that comes up in my coaching a lot of times with personalities, both radio and television, is just using your creativity and spinning things to the local story, if you will, which I think you've got some great tools for that. Now, talk to me about the most important takeaways from this section in your team's opinion. Well, so this actually comes directly from the survey, and this just fascinates me, Lloyd. 62% of people turned to local television for news during the pandemic. 62% local television. 64, well, but here's the next number. 64% turned to Facebook for news. 61% turned to YouTube for news. Now that's the first thing, but here's the, here's the backup. When it came to trust, 62% again turned to local television for news, 50% trusted local TV. When it came to trust, again, 64% went to Facebook for news, only 34% trusted Facebook, only 39% trusted YouTube. So they may be going to social or news, but they don't trust what they're seeing there, not in the same way that they trust their local television stations. So well, and a play for trust with TV. There is, and I, I, I will make this point that I have been reading material like this, not necessarily fresh research like we're getting today, where we get to talk about, you know, not only talk about, but hear from people who are television viewers, but, but we've seen these numbers on trust dropping across the board. And I'm going to say that is a huge opportunity. Now I feel like we're about to talk about something that's on everyone's lips already, at least since 2016, if not before. What about fake news and fact checking? Did this come up in the research? And if so, how much? Oh, man, they are fact checking everything. And let's just hear directly from the panelists. I have noticed over the past few years, 
I have to check. I have to fact check a lot of the stuff that's coming through. Exactly. Pause, pause. Show of hands. Who feels they need a fact check? They're watching local TV news, but you still have to fact check. I think you got to fact Show check hands. everything. Show of hands. Everything. Fact check. Okay, everybody. Oh, no, Paul's like, I'm not fact checking. All right, everybody else is fact checking. So everybody on that panel, save one, raised their hand saying they were fact checking, but let's hear from a few more. Even getting on apps, I still, a lot of times have to still do further research to find out what was true or what was factual, what's really going on. I mean, we just panelist after panelist responded saying that they have to fact check everything. And here again, you know, we see them going to social for their news, but they don't trust what they're seeing. So it may in part be that they're going to all of these different outlets precisely for that reason to have a check and balance to what they're seeing and suss out for themselves what is true and what is not. Oh, yeah. I, I, sometimes I feel like when I do focus groups, it's like it's like listening in on a jury. And and look, we're in the media. We're going to get judged. You know it. And to be able to, you know, I mean, what lawyer wouldn't like to go behind the scenes and hear what the jury is saying, right? So let's talk about the takeaways from these two subjects, because I just feel like, you know, look, this is so important. This thing about fake news, this thing about fact checking. What do yeah. we take away from that? Well, so again, people are turning to social for news. Um, you know, we even just saw this week a shakeup at Twitter, right? So the right. structure at Twitter has changed. That likely means that the direction Twitter themselves said that they're kind of wanting to shape the conversation. So people are going to social for news, but they're fact checking everything because they don't trust it for a lot of reasons but they do trust local television more than they trust social media. So we really feel that a major opportunity here is to make sure that that brand of credibility is being established on social in a, in a place where people are going but don't trust, figuring out a way to harness the trust factor of your brand on social, especially by the way with younger viewers because they don't trust anything. Wow. Don't trust anything. Listen, you know, if you just joined us, we're talking about the findings from the Fichuri Smith Geiger Consumer Television Research Study that was just completed recently. So, you know, this is uh, let's call it post pandemic, but really we know that the pandemic continues on in some form. This is totally fresh information directly from viewers. We are not only sharing highlights and critical information from the study, but we're sharing audio directly with you from TV viewers in the focus group portion of the study. Erin Callahan is with us and she is from Fituri Media. My name is Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. If you haven't joined our group on Clubhouse, it's called The Encouragers. You're in it right now. Please do, do so while you're here live. If you're listening on the podcast later, our group, The Encouragers, is the one to join on the Clubhouse platform. We appreciate the opportunity to bring you at least two live events every single week that can help you connect with local consumers faster, better, easier, with real examples involving community audio innovation and more. Okay, Aaron, we've, we, we have a lot of good information coming out of this study. I know there are a lot of, there's a lot of actionable material here. Did you ask viewers what, um, what, what, 
what they would actually like to see improve in local television? Well, we did, and they kind of gave us a little trail of uh, breadcrumbs, and they had some opinions. So let's take a listen. Definitely beef up my online presence. Um, I would probably stream my live program onto YouTube and probably Twitch too, and maybe have like shorts going to like TikTok or Instagram or whatever. I I would definitely try to engage the people where they're at mm, mm-hmm. so whatever app they're using I, I would i would push it out as as far as it as far as it could be so when somebody is looking for something local one of the first results that they find is something from my station so he's saying omnichannel without saying omnichannel that's right But we also had some additional feedback um, about how the presentation really hasn't changed over time. So let's listen to that. What else is important in your ideal local news source? I would say just the facts, you know, like I I don't like less opinions, but more personality. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Okay. And I don't know how to, I mean, this is more of soft skills than it is like hard skills, but I feel like the news has not changed in since in 40 years, right? Like, especially like a reporter, we're here, blah, 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 cut to the scene. And then she does, does another sentence or two and then cut back to the reporter. I mean, it's just like the same flow, the same method of, of reporting. It's like, I don't know. That's not really, you watch YouTube, you watch TikTok, you watch all that. That's not how people are presenting information anymore. So again, all of these different platforms that they're going to is really shifting their expectation of modernizing and adapting to what the presentation style is. Yes, Um, Aaron, I got to interrupt you and say that you know, in our podcast that's called The Encouragers Innovation and Audio, this just several weeks back, we talked to that gentleman who was with the NBCU stations in Los Angeles. This was a major conundrum for him. He was he really focused in on this. He said that we might see the end of the idea of somebody sitting at a desk reading the news. He said that 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 television viewers were sort of offended that it has not moved on. Mm-hmm. And this is a major area of change. And I find it fascinating that it's right here in your study. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, they've got some opinions about the personalities as well. And, and they're not being right. harsh, but you're going to hear how um, audiences are asking our personalities to really thread a difficult needle, I think. If you could give TV, local news TV personalities, some advice or a criticism uh, in terms of helping to connect more with you to help you, you know, watch local TV news more. What would you do? What could they do? I feel like they shouldn't sugarcoat things and maybe, you know, pick out the local news stories that are, oh, this is the grand opening of our new coffee shop. They should be realistic and tell us, oh, there was a robbery two blocks away. There was, I feel like you can minimize the time that you spend talking about a coffee store opening and focus more on real events that are happening in the area. Cause that's okay. important. 
Now, okay. to me, that's like, you know, on a slow news day trying to fill time. They're saying, don't fill the time. Find something else to report because I'm not interested in the filler stuff. But I notice. They absolutely do. And as we hear some additional feedback over the next couple of segments, you're going to hear a little bit of conflicting information, too, which is where I think it starts to get especially challenging for our television friends. Okay. All right. Amber, what do you think? Is there anything that TV, that local news TV personalities could do for you in order to engage you more as a viewer or no? Um, I agree with Melanie that, like, I think if they choose not to be so scripted, they seem almost, like, monotonous when talking. There's no, like voice um, fluctuations or anything like that. It's just kind of boring to listen to them, honestly, sometimes. So maybe just like try to bring in their personality and how they talk, if they can't bring it in and like what they can say. Okay. So, so they want some personality and yet, and we heard this in a variety of other panels, you know, they don't want to be told what to think. They don't want you to flavor it with your opinion. So it starts to get challenging of how do I bring my personality without bringing my opinion? And then we get into the whole area of violence. The things that are being reported in my local news and everybody's local news is different, but it's always violence, 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 violence. And yes, that's important for me to know, but hearing that every day, all day, I, I personally can't. So I choose the way I get the news mm. for that purpose, but I would feel lost if I were not able to get that information from my local news because whether I want to hear it or not, no matter how it makes me feel, I still need to know. Now, what are you supposed to do with that, Lloyd, right? Except, except what it says to me is, I don't want to be hit over the head with it. And I know it's important that I know about it. And that might be where I'm grabbing that headline from an app or from social so that it's not in my face. So I'm, I'm getting informed without being inundated with the violence. Or I want to know what's going on without being crushed, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, I, it's interesting. It's fascinating for you to to have us listen to these TV viewers back to back to back talking about these different subjects, because I hear be, um, be a real person because they're seeing that so much in social media or what they perceive as a real person. You know, it's almost like you've gone behind the screen a little bit. This gives us a a really robust amount of feedback. What is our best takeaway here in this section? So we definitely hear that people are receiving news on a lot of different platforms. And because of that, it's informing how they want to see the news presented. So we've really got to think about updating our approach to delivering content, just like your NBCU guy was telling you. Um, And this is both in terms of where we deliver the content and how we deliver the content. We've got to really be looking at that to be more competitive with all of these platforms. And again, I think it's a tough needle to thread. They don't want boring. They do want personality. They don't want to be told how to think. And they want violence, but they know they, they they don't want violence rather, but they know they need to know about certain events. So uh, as we move into the next segment, I think we're going to have some more ideas around how to take all of this very diverse feedback and do something with it. 
you know, it's interesting. We're not just, I, I love saying this because, well, it's one of the few things I get to say that I can be kind of tongue in cheek and go, okay, I can get away with this. You know, we're, we're not just a live event, Aaron. We're also a podcast. So I feel like this is a good place to say it as any, I feel like there's a lot of talk at the consumer level about podcasts these days. Did podcasting come up in this study? It did. And this is where I think that we can start to get creative with television in the podcast space. So let's start with just some panelists feedback again about podcast. So you podcast, are you doing anything else? Now it's mainly podcast through my um, Apple app. And that's not only when I'm driving, but also while working. I just recently found a lot of podcasts that I like, and there's so many that I don't have. It was an hour and a half commute, so I wasn't able to get all of the podcasts that I like to listen to, and so it leaked into my workday as well. I listen to FM radio, and when I'm at home, I listen to a streaming service called Live X Live. Mm-hmm. And often I listen to podcasts, but that's through an app on my phone. Mm-hmm. Typically, I just use Spotify because I have all my playlists organized on there. So if I want to listen to a podcast or like a specific genre, I can jump right to that. Who's listening to podcasts? Show of hands. So about half the panelists raised their hands there. But without question, podcasts are prevalent among um, consumers. Here was just one idea from a panelist about how podcasts could be harnessed for television. Maybe they have been living in my city for, I don't know, 30 plus years, and they have seen all the changes. They can add their own Mm -hmm. stories from the past. Mm -hmm. It could be interesting. It could become more like a conversation rather Mm -hmm. than dry news. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that he talks about that because I do feel like this is an opportunity. And, and to me, this is, a big takeaway from the segment about podcasts is that as TV stations are dipping a toe in the water, let's say in the podcasting space, it's an opportunity to address all of this conundrum that we're hearing about what folks want from their anchors. I want personality, but don't tell me what to think. Well, okay. You can have a personality on a podcast that isn't telling anyone what to think, Um, Just like Erhan had talked about, if somebody's lived in the area for a period of time and they're giving their perspective of how the community has changed, or if somebody is particularly passionate about um, ESL courses, or if they are animal rescue advocates, they can be delving into personal conversations that would unveil a bit more about themselves, but completely away from that anchor desk. So now they get to inject a flair of who they are, but it's not influencing the news at all. And so our thought there is, if we can get more personality in the form of original content from the news anchors, it does open up that opportunity that when I then tune into the news, I'm seeing that trusted friend because I know them in a different level. We also feel, by the way, that time-shifted content, just like it can be used for radio, can be used for television as well, whether that's sports casts or in-depth reports. I know that the TV is a visual medium, but so many people are engaging with podcasts in an audio way. Why not take the audio track of some of these segments from news and put it up as time-shifted audio? 
Well, and listen, I, you and I have not, I've, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. The primary work that I have been doing in television uh, involves television personalities, and there is a fear factor with a lot of them about how to come out from behind the teleprompter, how to come out from behind and engage maybe in a podcast. We certainly have developed a number of these with clients around the country, uh, and it's, it's tenacious work because they're used to a different form but clearly the audience is asking for something different, something that involves a little bit more personality. They don't want you to step out front and give them hard news in this way. And I think it is so important for these personalities to become mm, known, not known like, oh, that's a famous person on TV, but known like I know something about this person. What would you say is the most important takeaway about podcasting for television and maybe TV personalities? Well, I do think it's that deeper level of connection, that opportunity. And I can appreciate, by the way, why it can be really uncomfortable for them to, th to think about stepping out from behind that desk, especially when you hear the conflicting feedback coming from the audience. But using that podcast forum to be able to forge personality, connection, um, a deeper level of trust because you are opening yourself up in that way. I just really feel like this very disjointed opinion from various audience members can in part be addressed with the podcast space. Absolutely. Aaron, you know, you, you've shared with us a lot of information here. I especially love hearing not from you, not from me, not from some other quasi expert, if you will, but hearing directly from television viewers about their relationship with television and how rapidly that is changing. Let's talk summary for a minute, especially if someone has popped up in the middle of this, you know, they didn't get to hear different things. Give us your summary. You bet. So first of all, we heard it loud and clear. Television means a lot of different things to viewers because there are just so many places where people can engage with content. We also know that on-demand platforms mean that news is available in a lot of places other than local television newscasts. And in many cases, we want the news that we want immediately and on our time frame. The control, the trust, and the fact-checking were such dominant themes that we heard. And what we definitely discovered is that social, while it's being used as a source of news, is losing the trust game. So television has a definite advantage here. We also really believe that television's presentation style hasn't evolved in the same way that people are engaging with these other platforms. And so we've got to rethink how we're presenting our content and where we're presenting our content. And then podcasting. We just really feel that podcasting can be a great way to personalize anchors and also to introduce audiences to anchors and brands in a completely different space. You know, you're probably better than me. Um, I'm just going to tell you, I flat out sometimes get frustrated because, uh, you know, uh, you think about even in this presentation, Okay, even 
listening to television viewers give us sort of the keys to the castle. I get frustrated sometimes working with personalities. And of course, this is this is my work and I'm in the minutia, if you will. Uh, and I see the opportunity. I think it's because somebody like you with Vituri or somebody like me with Rainmaker Pathway, we're spending so much of our time trying to connect the dots for our clients and potential clients and show them a better way. Do How do you handle that frustration? Because, you know, I mean, clearly we look at studies like this and you, you can see the opportunity and it's right there. Well, I hear that frustration. It's truly palpable when I'm talking to um, regional vice presidents and market managers and news directors. They've seen a lot of this feedback for years, not not necessarily as, right. as critically. Um, I feel like we're at a crossroads, frankly. It's just it's moved. So well, listen. No, it, it's what you and I talked about earlier. I feel like this has been germinating for a long time. Then we have this pandemic, and it is just rocket fuel. It is. And and that's where I hear the frustration from a number of people that I talk to is it's not mysterious to most television folks. They know what the list or what the audience has been telling them for some time now, but trying to get organizations to make the sea change necessary, getting people to take that leap of faith and make the change. That's the, that's what's holding them back. People aren't taking the risks to meet the audience where they say they want to be met. And there's a lot of frustration in the industry because they know what needs to happen. They just can't make it happen. Well, and I'm going to say two things. One, there's a danger in not meeting consumers where they want to be met. You know, you you talked about it, or maybe maybe I heard this from one of the TV viewers earlier, where they said, "Look, this is easy. This th this break I'm making from television, this is easy. The content is easy. It's right here on my smartphone. Boom, I'm out." You know, the world is changing in that way. The second thing I can say about this is, this is real money. Okay, opportunity is money when you meet consumers where they are. And it is one of the reasons that you and I have developed this relationship together because it just has led us down the same paths in so many different ways. Aaron, I, I want to thank you for being on with the encouragers. You've done this before with us in another form. And I'm, I can almost guarantee you right now, I'm going to invite you back because it's so illuminating when we get to chat with you. And by the way, I'm not done with you. Okay. Well, that I'm makes me very back. happy. Thank you. No, I mean, I'm holding back a question here for just a minute. So just be aware I've got, I've got at least one more thing I want to chat oh, with you about okay. before we're done. Listen, don't forget today's live event will be two podcasts because we think it's important enough to share this information as an encouragement. Uh, we're going to put it on both of our podcasts. Now, obviously, one is called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. That really is geared toward radio. The second one is the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, and that's good for both radio and television because, as Aaron pointed out a few minutes ago, these podcasts, this reaching out for people uh, where they they are getting their information where they are living very, very critical. These podcasts will become available uh, uh, 
almost immediately after we uh, sum things up here at the end and get done with this live broadcast. Our thanks goes to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. By the way, if you're responsible for media sales, hey, listen up, you know somebody on your team that is a market manager, a vice president, a person who is responsible for sales teams. We have another special live event coming up in Q1. This one is called the 2022 Sales Liftoff, planning your bigger revenue year. Listen up. Thursday, this is January 13th, 2022. A little bit different time for us, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Sales consultant Alec Drake. Listen, this guy was the former director of sales for Cumulus Media in Dallas. He had that job for a long time and pretty recently, too. So this is not old either. This is like, boom. Let's get the really good stuff. He's going to be with us. We're going to open up a panel beyond just the two of us talking about these issues to discuss Q1, recruiting sales talent, and a roundtable with actionable items to help you and your sales team grow your revenue all throughout 2022. The revenue partners that we've scheduled for the Q1 live event coming up on January 13th, Chuck Wood is going to be with us. He's the VPGM of Delta Media Corporation, a multimedia company comprised of seven television stations and nine radio stations in Broussard, Louisiana, and also Scott Howard, who is also going to be with us. He's the general sales manager for WoWo Radio, and that is Federated Media in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Actionable sales ideas, recruiting strategies that will win you new, uh, vibrant salespeople to go out and accomplish your mission, and getting your 2022 momentum sky high, which we all need. You already know how important revenue is going to be in 2022. This is no one's secret. Don't miss your opportunity to grow your business with us. Aaron, any final words of encouragement? You know, we are called the encouragers, and you have all this data from this study. Do you have any encouragement for us? Well, I, I certainly do, although I have to say real quick, I don't know everybody that's going to be on your January 13th panel, but I love that you're going to have Alec Drake there. He is just a prince among men, a true sales leader professional, and I'm certain that he's just going to add so much to the conversation. Um, but from my perspective, in terms of encouragement, you know, I know that this industry has challenges. I know that it's moving fast. But we still believe that this is absolutely the best time to be in broadcasting. And as I'm fond of saying, maybe just to keep myself up and moving all the time, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And so That's right. because we're so passionate about this industry, it's why we just spend all this time developing technology to help people keep up with the speed of content. And we're very lucky to work with thousands of broadcasters. So we get to hear the real life, the frontline feedback about what people are focused on and what they're faced with. There is nothing more frustrating than putting in a 12 or a 14 hour day and feeling like you didn't even get to half of the things that you were trying to do. So we're just trying so hard at Futuri to take some of that pressure off and really help people rediscover the joy in what they do, because this is a joyful business. You know, and look, everybody's busy. I, I want you to please give us your email address. So look, people can reach out if they want to to find out about Futuri Media, or maybe they want to have more details about this specific research project. 
Uh, this is a good place to do it. What is your email address for us? Well, I'd be happy to share that. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N, at Futuri Media. Futuri is F-U-T-U-R-I, futurimedia.com. I love that. And I love connecting people with resources, especially if they're going to help you pull ahead and get ahead in what you are doing. Please know you can get all kinds of free resources all the time, 24-7, on our free blog at RainmakerPathway.com. We love helping broadcasters of all time, of all kinds, connect with local consumers and engage with more robust relationships uh, so that they essentially in today's consolidated disruptive world can get ahead. Go to RainmakerPathway.com and you can see what you can get for free from our team at any time. You can also call us directly 864-448-4169. Thank you, Aaron, for being on this live event with us and our podcast. I appreciate you being here and appreciate Daniel and your entire team for allowing us to just be one way that you can share this research from Futuri and Smith Geiger. I know that my clients want to be in step with consumers right now. It's more important than it's ever been. I know the work that you're doing at Futuri is about making that easier, smarter, faster for TV and all of media. I'm, look, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to bring this kind of content to folks via Clubhouse and, of course, our podcast, which makes it, you know, I, everything we've been talking about. Make it on demand so it's easy. You can do it on your own time. Thank you to Futuri Media and your team for making that happen for us because you did say yes. And, of course, we're going to take advantage of that every chance we get. If you've been listening to this and, and wondering about more, reach out to Aaron or myself. I promise you we can get you connected. I know that you already know this. I'd like to say it all the time. Be kinder than you have to be. If you don't remember anything from today, please take that with you. Thank you for being an encourager and good night.